we actually sit in a very interesting spot right in the middle of the intersection of both these sides because we have natural yield products where the lender, which is could be yourself, earning yield on your crypto, and the borrower, which is a trading firm, borrowing uh, crypto to trade, meet together in a marketplace. And so we're very uniquely positioned that you know lenders can earn more uh, because there's no middleman on that on the on the interest rate side. Uh, it's an order book, uh, which is open to anyone 24/7, and of course borrowers get access to cheaper funds because again they're not being marked up by the uh, by the middleman. So essentially, you know, we 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 feel that uh, you know we have a we're a marketplace for buyers and sellers of of uh, US dollars. This is the How to Trade Stocks and Options podcast, brought to you by 10MinuteStockTrader.com, where we cover finance, stocks, options, entrepreneurship, education, and money. And here's your host, voted one of the top 100 people in finance, Christopher Ewell. Hey there, traders. Welcome back to today's How to Trade Stocks Options podcast. I have three special free gifts for you over at 10MinuteStockTrader.com. That's the Triple Stock Profits ebook you can get for free. That's a bullish power cheat sheet that you can get for free. And if that wasn't enough, at the brand new web class, How to Easily Discover proven, backtested, 100% plus winners, that is for free as well. You can get these three free gifts, all yours, at 10MinuteStockTrader.com. The Triple Stock Profits ebook, the free web class, and the Bullish Power Cheat Sheet. And all you got to do is go to 10MinuteStockTrader.com. Markets are people. People are predictable. Outlier can show you how to track market fear and greed with artificial intelligence, on over 1,300 of the largest market cap names. Visit outlier.com to learn more. That's O-V-T-L-Y-R.com. They have a free pilot program for the rest of 2021 so you can get access to right now at O-V-T-L-Y-R.com. That's O-V-T-L-Y-R.com. Hey, make sure you subscribe and hit the bell so you'll be notified every time we give you more tools, tips, and tricks to help you trade faster and trade smarter every single week. Hey there, traders. Welcome back to today's How to Trade Stocks Options podcast. Today, we have a special guest online, Sudu Arugaman. Now, Sudu is the chief uh, or co-founder at CoinFlex. And, uh, you know, I'm really interested. I've got just a teensy bit in the the uh, the crypto world, but I know that this is like the way of the future to most people. So, Sudu, thank you so much for, for coming on. I'm, I'm really interested to, to talk to you about this. Well, thank you for having me, Christopher. Yeah, absolutely. So, so Sudu's coming to us from Hong Kong very graciously at twelve oh four in the morning there, and I really appreciate your time on that. So, Sudu, give me uh, give me some of your backstory. Like, as a co-founder of CoinFlex, what what was the initial kickoff point where you're like, I got to do something about this. Um, I need to be part of this space. Yeah, it was actually my my background is from uh, derivatives trading. So I have sort of 20 years of um, background in futures and options across kind of equities and fixed income. And um, it's it was sort of only towards 2017, early 2017, that I I started reading about crypto because it was kind of it was becoming very, very popular. There was a lot of things in the news and I knew absolutely nothing about this emerging asset class. And and because I came from this trading background from Merrill Lynch and DRW and, and a bunch of sort of hedge funds, um, I could have found it interesting that none of these kind of participants were in this market and I was trying to find out more about it. And uh, I kind of went to meetups in London and, you know, the, you know, there was people kind of selling their tokens and projects. And I was like, well, how do I buy that? Could I send you some pounds? And 
could you give me some of your tokens? And they were like, no, no, you need to send me crypto to get crypto. And I was like, well, how do I get hold of crypto? You know, you know, this is the first I'm hearing of this. And, and so generally, you know, the more meetups I went to, they pointed me towards CoinFloor, which was a, um, uh, the UK's biggest exchange for Bitcoin to GBP. And they accepted bank deposits. And so I was like, you know, got to know CoinFloor. And, and during that was when I met my co-founder, Mark Lamb, because he was the um, founder of CoinFloor. And we got together and, you know, it was just so coincidentally just so happened that, uh, you know, he discovered he was starting to discover the power of uh, derivatives trading in crypto and how it is sort of compared to spot volumes. It was such a small fraction of the market, how it had so much further to grow and obviously knew very knew everything about crypto and nothing next to nothing about derivatives. And I was literally the mirror of him where I knew zero about crypto and a lot about derivatives. And uh, so we we kind of made a, a a good match, and that's how it kind of landed in the in the crypto space by accident. That makes sense. Yeah. So you got to crypto initially through trading. Um, what what got you started on trading? What what took you down that road? So trading was something that I you know growing up in uh, I went to university in London and uh, studied economics there and. Uh, Obviously, it's, it's, uh, you know, city universities at the heart of the, the city of London, surrounded by the banks. They're all sort of, you know, half a mile apart in the, in the square, famous square mile. And uh, you kind of hear the stories about it. And I did an internship uh, during the middle of my degree with um, uh, NatWest Bank at the time in their kind of market section and banking section. And so I, I got this interest in trading. And at, at, uh, at university, I applied to um a bunch of trading firms and got a job offer with actually an American firm out of Radnor, Pennsylvania called Cooper Neff, uh, which was one of the big options trading houses, uh, both in the US and, and in London and became a trainee trader and worked my way up the ranks there. Very cool. So, so when you started trading, right, you got that bug in college and I was the same way, right? I, I did the, uh, the derivatives, um, the, the, uh, the portfolio management program in college where, you know, it's, it's a portion of the college endowment and they're like, you know, we're going to set, uh, you know, 25, 20 year olds out on, on this money and see what happens. Right. And, you know, of course this was in 2007, 2008. So no matter what we bought, we weren't going to win. <laughs> so when you, when you started on your trading journey, like what were, what were you trying to do? Right. Because everyone comes into trading, with the, at least in my experience, with the idea that it's all about the money, but at some point it changes, right? Did you have a similar experience? It, yeah, I mean, it was all about the money. Totally right. Because, you know, you, you sort of go down onto the trading floor, which I started on the LIFE, which is the London International Financial Futures Exchange. So like CME, the equivalent in London was called LIFE. And I was, I was down there on the first day and you see like thousands of people in colored jackets waving their arms and trading and you know, making vast amounts of money and losing vast amounts of money. And all of a sudden you get, you know, kind of fixated by money, not necessarily that from a, you know, I want to be the richest man in the world, but essentially your day was measured in money because you would go back off end of the day upstairs and your boss would be like, Hey, did you make money or do, did you lose money? And an hour later, you, you know, the, the, you, the, you know, the trainee traders or clerks would tell you what your PL was for the day. And so, you know, and at the end of the week, there was a, your weekly PL and there was the monthly PL and then the quarterly PL and the annual PL. So it was the it was the mark, right? So you know everything that you would judge by. And uh, so you sort of start essentially, you know, it's very important at that point to sort of dissociate yourself from the PL concept of money because you might have had a 
a hundred thousand dollar day. Well, it doesn't mean that you go out and spend 50k on a night out in London because you know it's 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 almost like you know you do your regular thing of going to your favorite restaurant or a bar or you know getting a takeaway, but meanwhile in the background you're having these huge six figure days, sometimes seven figure days, and you know that was kind of the first hardest part I think as a young trader is to like not let it go to your head, good or bad. Because obviously you could be destroyed, you know, kind of emotionally and character and confidence by a really bad day as well. And so you have to sort of have this emotional detachment from the money, from the P&L perspective, but obviously be cognizant of the fact that, you know, you get a paid a bonus based on it. And if you keep losing money, you get fired. So you could also be blasé about it, say, you know, hey, you know, I'll just trade. I won't be I won't care about risk. I'll do whatever the hell I want because it's because it's not my money kind of either, because that gives you a bad reputation. So. It was a very, very complex psychological kind of game for for a 21 year old to to, to comprehend. And obviously, I'm, I'm not alone. Everyone's been through this. So, you know, there, I I had a friend of mine. He wrote a book, and the first question he he asked me to read it, and um, it was like a trading psychology book. And the first question was, why do you trade? And at the time, I'd never thought about why I traded. Like I knew I enjoyed it. So initially I'm like, well, for the money, of course. And then I just sat back for a minute and I'm like, I lost years of my life chasing after nothing with nothing but negative P&L to show. And it wasn't about the money to me. It was the game. It was like Mario, right? And it was, mm. I, I, I described it to, to somebody the other day. I was like, you know, it's kind of like that feeling back in, uh, let's say it's 1988 it's Christmas time and you've got this Christmas box under the tree and you pull it out and you open it up and it's it's that brand new Nintendo entertainment system you've never had the opportunity to try anything like this before and so you're excited just like trading you're excited you want to get into it you want to learn you pop in that Mario cartridge and you start playing and you know first those little turtles they take you out right and then you try a little bit longer and those turtles take you out again and you keep failing and you fail, but you fail a little bit better each time, right? You get a little bit further down the level. And then eventually you reach the flagpole, you slide down the flagpole and, you know, you, you've won that level. And that, in my opinion, is exactly like trading. Because if you treat it like a game, use every loss or circumstance as a learning opportunity, you will continue to move forward until one day you're the one sliding down the flagpole. Kind of like what you were just saying there. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Because look, I mean, look, there's, there's a great way of now, you know, which is talking about me as a 21 year old. Now, if you look at um, some of the kind of multi billionaires who, you know, in trading now, they're still in the game. Right. And it's just, so it's clearly not about the money. You look at, you know, Don Wilson at DRW, Bill DeSoma at Jump. You look at Vinnie Viola at Virtue, for example. And these are all guys that were senior traders when I was a junior trader in the same pit. So we used to stand actually, you know, um, certainly for, for Don and uh you know, uh, uh, Vinny was upstairs, but they, they, his firm had many traders downstairs. But essentially, these guys are billionaires multiple times over, five, ten billion dollars, you know, of net worth each. But yet they turn up at 7 a.m. like they did as a 21 year old and work, work till 7 p.m. and go home. So it's clearly not about the money because they could have retired 10 years ago, 20 years ago. Right. So it, it, it is a game. It is a money is a m way of measuring your progression in the game. Um, and, you know, it's a, it's a fascinating profession to be in because just like I found, you know, in, in, during my career as a, tr a trader, 
you know, no single day is the same. You know, you don't go and file pieces of paper. You don't go and say, hey, I need to pull out a report. You know, you have no idea what's going to happen when you when you you know click your screens on and read the news and get ready to trade. And and every single day is totally different. Now, from the trading side, at least from the traditional or we call TradFi side, uh, at least you had the weekends to yourself, right? Now in crypto, of course, it's way worse because it's 24-7. So <laughs> you don't even get that, you know, Friday night, I've got a really bad position, but hey, nothing I can do about it because the market's closed. I'll, I'll, figure, I, you know, I'll stress about it on Monday was kind of a, a way of switching off. In crypto, you know, you've been marked to market by the second with no respite, you know, so uh, it's way more brutal. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, when what, what, what you were saying that you went from trading to crypto and then to coin coin flex, did you go straight to the idea of I want to create a, uh, you know, a platform or were you like, I'm going to trade it for a while? Like what what was the gap between those two points? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a great question because obviously I've only ever been a trader and coin right. flex is an exchange. And uh, so I approached it from a trading perspective. But once I kind of got to speak to Mark, we kind of figured out that, you know, um, it was great being an exchange because, you know, we grew up trading on CME and, and Eurex and life. And you're like, wow, this huge, you know, marketplaces where buyers and sellers meet and they kind of make fees. And, you know, and you always know that there's no such thing as a bad day because you always earn fees. You might earn a little bit medium a lot, but, you know, at least you didn't have the kind of stresses of positions. And so... For me, it was sort of a way to try, you know, the other side of the fence, essentially, you know, for the first time in my career after 20 years of being on the pricing side was to go become the exchange side. And 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 crypto, because it was so new, it actually allowed me to kind of take my knowledge and, and add value to building products. And that's what we've done at CoinFlex. So, you know, we've built yield bearing stable coins like Flex USD, automated market making. These are all products that I, as uh, in trading activities that I've traded my whole career, basis trading, which we mean, which we create Flex USD, market making, which is now automated market making is a big deal in DeFi. We were the first exchange to bring it to futures trading. And so, you know, we, we're bringing, you know, the, what fascinated me about crypto is that it's literally the democratization of finance because it's the first time in history that uh, you as Christopher can trade against DRW, against uh, B2C2, against an old lady out of Japan, or wherever it might be, all in the same order book. And, and it's, you know, there is no barriers to entry. You know, if you want to um, trade on uh, carbon using IG on CME, I mean, it's going to take you days, weeks to even get your certification to be allowed to do it, you know, and, and even then, you know, you might have to put a minimum amount of $10,000 to trade. Whereas on crypto, you can put, you know, deposit a fraction of a Bitcoin or, or Bitcoin cash and or Ethereum and uh, with $50 or $100, you can experiment, learn and grow, which is obviously in this modern day, you know, outside, outside of, um, uh, you know, Robin Hood type apps. But if you really want to be a professional trader, it's a very, very expensive process and very prohibitive, right? In equities and in, in traditional stock trading. Yeah. So while you were setting up the exchange, uh, one would assume that everything was flawless and perfect and there was no stress, but there probably was a lot of stress, a lot of headaches and a lot of things that you had to, to overcome in order to make this happen. What were some of the difficulties that you ran across? The, the difficulties really is because I wasn't a techie or I, I'm not I'm not familiar with code. So, you know, we, we spend a lot of time designing products and then, you know, you kind of have to translate financial market knowledge to a developer who knows nothing about finance and I know nothing about code. And so for Mark and I really, it was, you know, kind of 
you know, crossing that bridge with each other and, and with the developed with the devs. Now, I had a way harder um, issue on top of that, which Mark doesn't, which was around blockchain. You know, you know, I was very, very new about blockchain technology and how that works as well. So I had that extra loop of learning, which is obviously fascinating, but extremely stressful, as you said. And, uh, uh, you know, one of the um, you know, revolutions essentially of this kind of new paradigm with this, you know, with going into Web3 now as well. And, you know, there's a lot of jargon and very little about it. But but what's great about it, about all, everything we've done in crypto and, and new technologies, because of the rise of cloud-based technology, you can, you can launch businesses relatively cheaply right now. If you look back, you know, even 10 years ago and you wanted to be an exchange, well, you needed a massive data room in uh, in Aurora in Chicago or in LD4 in London, and you need to spend millions of dollars on servers and, and security and all kinds of stuff. Now you take it to CoinFlex and, and any crypto exchange and we launch on AWS or Azure or Google Cloud and you know your monthly bills are $100,000. And that's, you know, that's the capex that you put down. So it's very, very pro innovation. So you're encouraged to try things. You know, you can spin up a, a little server on the side and experiment with your developer, break it, rebuild it. And so that was the kind of real, real kind of eureka moment for me was the fact that build and break and try again, build and break and try again was, yeah. was an amazing motto, you know, and it really encouraged you to, to not worry about failing and then getting back on the horse and rebuilding again. You know, uh, build and break and try again. It's almost as if, you spent time as a trader, building a system, breaking the system and trying it again, right? You see, yeah. one of the things I like to do in my interviews is I like to connect the dots, right? So I think earlier on, maybe all that trading and everything you did in the derivative space really helped you overcome some of those obstacles to get CoinFlix off the ground, right? Yeah, no, I think you're right. Even just from a um, emotional and face perspective, when you speak to sort of investors and customers, you know, you know, you even take the biggest exchanges in the world, like Binance, for example, they're no different to us, even though they're number one. And, you know, we're, we're in the sort of second, you know, we're in the top 10, probably at the, at the bottom range of it. And, uh, you know, there's something breaking every single hour. And yet, you know, it's like the swan, you know, you see the head of the swan, everything's fine, but you're not seeing under the water with the mm. rapid feet movements and the panic that's going on. And, uh, you know, it could be very simple as the customer support chats broken down and there's a bunch of irate customers and someone needs to fix the bug and get it back up in line. Or, you know, there's a there's an outage on Cloudflare and about you know, half your customers can't access the platform. And, you know, it's just constantly going on. And the trading background about like soaking this up, smiling, you know, you know, when like, you know, you'd know, you know, when you were kind of on the trading floor or in a trading room, you never let the person next to you know that you're having a bad day. Uh, you know, you'd always be, hey, how's it going, whatever. And you could be like sweating. You're just praying for non-farm payrolls to go your way. But you never show it emotionally, you know, and it's a little bit like that. So, you know, right in the middle of a really stressful moment, you know, you have customers like, you know, buzzing you and saying, hey, how's it going? You're like, fantastic. You know, even though you're kind of sweating away and your shirt stuck to your back, you know. So, yeah, yeah that, that that's super, super interesting. You know, I, I couldn't imagine the the idea of going and creating an exchange, but you know, it, it takes the the innovation gene, I guess you could say, to to make that happen. So now, earlier this year, or at least in 2021, from what I've seen, I feel like this has been one of the craziest years ever for trading. Because you know, earlier on this year, we had the GameStop, and then the AMC, and then the Dogecoin, and then recently we had the the NFT space and the Shiba Inus and the, all the other 
garbage coins that are going on out there. Yeah. How do you guys deal with that and, and handle it and work with that kind of uh, boom and bust cycle that seems to be happening right now? Does that how does that work in y'all's system? Does that break anything? Does that bring new participants? Or you tell me. It actually, yeah, it is not easy because if we're a um, a spot exchange, um, you could just list whatever you wanted, and there was no real, you know, outside of brand damage because someone there was a very scammy coin that you listed, and people kind of lost tons of money on, like uh, you know, you, like a Squid Game token, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Where it just sort of you know you know disappeared overnight. Um, so that you have that kind of brand reputation, you have to be careful about the spot. Now with CoinFlex, because we're a derivatives exchange, derivatives exchange, you've got not just the brand risk, but you've also got the fact that customers will have leveraged positions and you need to be able to liquidate them in a timely manner or otherwise the exchange takes the loss. So really when, you know, uh, a community comes with us and say, oh, well, you know, please list Shiba, which they did and we listed it, you know, three months ago. We also have to like look around liquidity providers. Who are the market makers? Who can we trust to provide backstop emergency liquidity? You know, who, you know, how much leverage do we allow users to, to, you know, to, what's the max position size? So there's so many complex um, uh, uh, calculations that go into a, a listing a coin. Whereas from a customer's perspective, they're like, you know, wow, well, listed today, today, listed. Just you buy know, and sell. Just, uh, like, what's the hard part correct. here? Yeah. What's the hard part here? You know, just sticky on the exchange. But, so much uh, thought and 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 uh, risk uh, uh, discussions go into every single one of these coins that we launch. So that that reminds me, uh, you know, when all of the GameStop, AMC stuff was going on, or uh, January and February, uh, when Robinhood shut down the buy function, right? The only thing you were able to do was sell. Uh, I had heard later on, uh, it was explained to me by a hedge fund. They were like, yeah, they had to because they couldn't, they couldn't keep track of the liquidity of all the shares that were being bought. And I, I had no idea, right? Cause I was on the, the other side of it. Uh, I was playing AMC too, just for fun. And I was like, this is some shit, right? How can they shut us down like this? And, you know, there were so many people who lost so much money because they had no idea how to control their risk. And then when you take away half of the buy and sell equation by the broker, that's scary. So have you guys ever run into an issue like that yet? And if so, how did you work around it? No, no, we haven't. Because, you know, the the, the, the minute you do something like that, make it very restrictive, your customers will walk away. I'll never yeah. come back again. Right. So it's, you know, sometimes we have slowdowns because there's a, just a huge volume of trading and so latency issues. But 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 we, you know, what we do normally, if there's a lot of volatility, like the example of, of GameStop, what we do is kind of increase um, uh, the margin requirements on the on the platform. So we never halt trading. But what we do is that we will suddenly, you know, double, triple margin. So all of a sudden there's like way, way, you know, leverage comes down in the system. Uh, you know, we'll, we will, you know, kind of widen price bands to make sure there's no sort of fat finger trades. There's a bunch of countermeasures that we put in place. But we would absolutely not stop uh, one side of the trade. And obviously, you know, with this GameStop example, there was also this conspiracy theories that some <laughs> of the large market makers had deliberately, you know, kind of forced this on Robin Hood, you know, for the payment for order flow side, because they were just being cleaned out from the buy side. They could just like getting lifted on the offers constantly and they could not buy it back. Right. So, you know, that's that's, you know, I wouldn't completely discount something like, you know, like that, you know, it's, uh, as well. As saying, you know, there was obviously this whole custodial thing of, you know, who's got the certificate? We needed to match it off before we could sell it, you know, from a from a settlement perspective. But but yeah, I mean, the thing about crypto is um, 
you know, anyone, anyone can send a coin. You know, you had coins in one exchange, you send it across to CoinFlex and it's done in seconds, right? Or minutes, depending on the, on the blockchain that you use. So, you know, for us, we, you know, on any exchange, we would absolutely not block uh, it because it, it, it'd be very obvious that, that it was you doing it for some deliberate or nefarious uh, reason rather than a blockchain-based reason because everyone can track these transactions on the blockchain. Yeah. So did you guys run into anything like the squid game um where it was it was a scam the whole time and then all of a sudden the rug got pulled has that come across else desk at all or, or have you been able to avoid those we've been uh, uh, you know touch wood we've been able to avoid those so far um you know we only touch sort of coins that are reasonably well known and on multiple exchanges uh, as a starting point so we're somewhat you know, immune, I guess, uh, from that. You know, a lot of the uh, sort of uh, rug pulls, as they call it, um, you know, crypto term of scamming, it happens on DeFi platforms because obviously it's permissionless. So anyone, oh, can, okay, okay. anyone can lynch, you know, we can, you know, we could, uh, you know, you can list a Christopher coin in, in seconds and put it I on love Uniswap. That. Right, yeah. So my point is that, you know, so it's, it's you know, it's permissionless and that's the upside of it and that's the downside of it. And you can't have one without the other. That's very good. Okay. Cause I have, I've just a smidge over at uh, Coinbase. And while the Squid Game stuff was going on, I was trying to pull it up over there and it was not available. And I didn't understand. I was like, huh. Uh, okay. <laughs> I mean, I don't know this, the space to, to see. I didn't even realize that there was like a DeFi space that's, that's, uh, you know, there, there's crypto and then there's DeFi. That's, that's even yeah. further far from yeah. it. Exactly. So we like Coinbase, like and ourselves, we're centralized. So you know, you, you have humans that you interact with, like myself, and and so you know, we are kind of a natural audit block vetter, you know, for it. Now, obviously, there's no guarantees because there's thousands of coins, right? So, yeah. uh, in, and long term, some of them may just naturally die anyway, rather than them being scams or, or rug pulls. But but on DeFi, of course, is it, you can't police it. I mean, that's the whole nature of it, right? So now the SEC wants to. I guess. Uh, but, um, but, you know, we'll see how that, that uh, turns out. Yeah. So what's y'all's goal over there? Uh, you can tell I'm from Texas. What's y'all's goal? What's y'all's goal over there uh, with CoinFlex? What, what are we trying to get to? What's, what is our, our, our ultimate goal here? Uh, our ultimate goal basically is to be the, the biggest pl money platform in crypto. Uh, the home of crypto yields is our, is our tagline. So, you know, trade crypto and crypto. Um, we sit in a very interesting uh, intersection because you, on the one side, you've got the pure exchanges like Binance and, and FTX. Uh, on the other side of crypto, you've got this what, what you call borrow lender. So you could like like banks essentially for crypto where you can deposit your Bitcoin or Bitcoin cash and, uh, you know, Ethereum and earn uh, returns like a savings account. Um, they then lend it out to trading firms and other counterparties and kind of make a net interest margin. We actually sit in a very interesting spot right in the middle of the intersection of both these sides because we have natural yield products where the lender, which is could be yourself, earning yield on your crypto, and the borrower, which is a trading firm, borrowing uh, crypto to trade, meet together in a marketplace. And so we're very uniquely positioned that, you know, lenders can earn more uh, because there's no middleman on that on the, on the interest rate side. Uh, it's an order book, uh, which is open to anyone 24-7. And of course, borrowers get access to cheaper funds because, again, they're not being marked up by the uh, by the middleman. So essentially, you know, we we, we feel that, uh, you know, we have a, we're a marketplace for buyers and sellers of, of uh, U.S. dollars, in essence, and, and other crypto. And so we want to be the biggest money, money platform in, in crypto. Yeah. 
that makes sense. Do you guys handle any of the the NFT space? I mean, I I don't really understand the 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 way that that all works on the blockchain. Does that go through CoinFlex at all? No, it doesn't. I mean, we could do. We we just started to play with the kind of NFTs because we have this arena competition where you kind of as as a trader now. You know, you know, you, you asked me earlier about you know you okay being on video now. Obviously, in crypto, there's a lot of kind of you know people who don't want to be known, right? So we have these avatars that you can create to be a trader. So and then in and the winners of these competitions get these NFTs, which is a you know which they get to keep and you know it has a record of you know their how well they've traded, their PNL and all this sort of stuff. Which even though you don't know it's uh, who the person is, you have this kind of cartoony characters which which become. Uh, mintable as NFTs, and then you can use the you know Ethereum network and uh, or Bitcoin Cash, which is smart BCH, or SEP20 to send NFTs to each other and buy and sell it on OpenSea, which is one of the biggest platforms uh, you know for for it right now. But it's a space that I'm I'm not you know hugely familiar with either. It's obviously very topical. It's, it feels very bubbly in some of these prices for you yeah. know board monkey board apes and stuff. But but hey, who knows? You know my whole concern with the NFT space is the lack of fungibility, right? Because some people would say, oh, that makes it rare and unique and special and important. And my my differing view on that is that's what makes it risky. Because if you don't have the ability to get in and out of the trade, if you don't have the liquidity that comes with a fungible asset, that could be a recipe for disaster. Because I mean, if you bought a bored monkey <laughs> or a bored ape, and yeah. nobody else wants to buy it from you. I mean, that's that's the greater fool theory in finance is that you're the last person. There's in theory, there's always a greater fool that'll buy it off of you. But yeah. at some point, you're you're the last one standing, and that no. that's the part that concerns me on the NFT space. So, no, I, I I'm with you. Yeah, yeah. So so tell me as we're as we're coming to the end here. You know, you've come a long way from you know City College in London to Hong Kong running the uh, the CoinFlex exchange over there. What's some of the biggest lessons along the way that you're like, man, I am so glad I had the opportunity to learn that. Even if it did cost me some money, it has transformed me in this way. I think one of the biggest lessons is really around not being afraid to fail, you know, which, which you know, in, you know, on the, it's like you correctly pointed out, really from from the trading days you start learning to you know updates down days updates and 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 i think you know the, the key thing was i used to like you know oh, i had a terrible week and be just like you know be like a you know um just a horrible person at the weekend because i didn't want to speak see my friends or speak to somebody and you just kind of carry that you know and i think i think it's it, it you know the key lesson i've learned through life is just to like to take each day you know be grateful for each day and to take each day you know as it is because every single day has got a good part and a bad part now there's no way that you should kind of you know spend the whole day as i did as a 21 year old saying mm, good day bad day good day bad day you know marking it down in that sense uh you know it, you know there is there is you know as you get older as well i guess you know it's um you know money is a means to an end it's great to you know eat eat in nice places or you know uh, have a nice car or you know and it's nice to have a roof over your shoulder but but really at some point as you know we, we as i mentioned around these you know multi-billionaires who are still in the trading game and who could have left years ago and still do it it's, it's beyond money and it's more around um you know building a legacy for yourself whether that legacy goes on towards um you know charitable works which is something i'm very very keen on and or whether you want to just change the world, whether you want to bring you know democracy to countries that don't have it, or 
or, or whether you want to question democracy and be, become a, um, you know, an authoritarian type regime. And then obviously, you know, that's a very interesting thing that's going on right now, right? You've got the US versus China and, you know, they're both trying to show the rest of the world that one's better than the other. One system is better than the other. And, and whatever your life goals is, and everyone's got different ones and, is is to sort of work towards that and and uh unfortunately to influence a lot of things you need money and so maybe you know that's you know to, to make a mark on charity you can you know yes you can give your time but it obviously goes way way more with your dollar right than yeah. than your actual time so you know the multiple effect of that is, is just completely different so um it's it's you know it's, it's it's to sort of view money from doing good rather than from a you know new watch or a, you know whatever new car perspective is, but one of the biggest lessons, right? You know, as a, as a 22 year old, I remember my first big bonus buying, you know, like literally a top of the range BMW and, and I didn't drive to work and I lived 10 minutes work, 10 minutes from, from work. I mean, it was absolutely pointless, but it was the thing I had to do. And I was so proud of it, you know, and looking back now, it's just like, oof, you know, cringe worthy. So, yeah. Oh man. Well, thank you for sharing that. And thank you for your time today, Sudhu. This has been really great. I, I'm so glad I got the opportunity to to chat with you and, and learn your story and hear, you know, how how CoinFlex came to be. This is this has been a really great time. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me, Christopher. Really wonderful to meet you. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, thank you guys for tuning in to today's How to Trade Stocks Options podcast. Make sure you like, subscribe, and enable notifications. That way you never miss any of the tools, tips, and tricks that we upload every single week. To help you trade faster and trade smarter. And I'll see you on the next episode. Okay, so what'd you think? That was pretty incredible, right? I have three special free gifts for you over at 10minutestocktrader.com. That's the Triple Stock Profits ebook you can get for free. That's a bullish power cheat sheet that you can get for free. And if that wasn't enough, at the brand new web class, How to Easily Discover Proven Backtested 100% Plus Winners, that is for free as well. You can get these three free gifts, all yours, at 10minutestocktrader.com. The Triple Stock Profits ebook, the free web class, and the bullish power cheat sheet. And all you got to do is go to 10minutestocktrader.com. Hey, if you like this video, let me know by leaving me a like below and then subscribe and share it with somebody you think could use it as well. Be sure to comment below with your biggest takeaway from this episode and any suggestions you have for future episodes. And finally, make sure you watch these other videos to help you trade faster and trade smarter. And I'll see you on the next episode. 10MinuteStockTrader.com content is for information and educational purposes only. It is not, nor is it intended to be, trading or investment advice or recommendation that any security, futures contract, options contract, transaction, or other financial instrument or strategy is suitable for any person. Trading securities can involve high risk and the potential for total loss of any funds invested. 10MinuteStockTrader.com and Christopher Yule, through its content, financial programming, or otherwise, does not provide investment or financial advice or make investment recommendations. Investment information provided may not be suitable for all investors and is provided without respect to the individual investors and audience's financial sophistication, financial situation, investing time horizon, or risk tolerance. 10MinuteStockTrader.com and Christopher Yule are not in the business of trading securities trades, nor does it direct client commodity accounts or give commodity trading advice tailored to any particular client situation or investment objectives. 10MinuteStockTrader.com and Christopher Yule are not licensed financial advisors, registered investment advisors, or registered broker-dealers. Stocks, options, futures, futures options, and other financial instruments not included here involve risk and are not suitable for all investors. You alone are responsible for making your investment and financial trading decisions and for evaluating the merits and risks associated with the use of any financial security and broker platform. For more information, please visit 10MinuteStockTrader.com legal. And thanks for stopping by.